What up, what up? It's the 2BD Podcast with RT2. I got a very special guest coming up, so stay tuned. And what comes next is to be determined. Welcome back. This is once again the 2BD Podcast. We're on another episode. I believe this is episode 14, but once again, you know, the days kind of stick together. I'm not sure. It could be 15. It could be 16. Never know. Um, But I am here this time with um, an all-star athlete, an all-star human being, you know, a good friend, um, a Williamstown legend. He goes by the name of Devin Bradham. It's nice to have you here, Devin. How are things? Yeah, so everything is well, as well as it can be with COVID. Um, just hanging in there. How about you? I'm doing the same, hanging in one episode at a time. You feel me? That's all you can do. All right. So before we get into things, what I always do on this podcast is one of the things the 2BD podcast, because it's a podcast about learning and growth and understanding. Um, one of the first questions I always ask guests are, what did you want to do? When you were a kid, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a chef. But the funny story behind it, and this is the reason why. So, my first meal—well, I used to cook since I was like five years old. Well, that's a lie. About six or seven. Um, my first ever meal was fried rice. But when I sat down to eat my rice, it was hard at first. So I'm wondering, like, what's going on? So, you know, I put the rice back in the frying pan, crack another egg, saute it up a little bit, cook it some more, sit back down, it's hard again. So I'm like, all right, maybe five more minutes, it's good to go. Do the whole process again, throw some more soy sauce in it, you know, spice it up with some sesame seeds, sit back down, it's hard again. Long story short, my first ever meal as a quote-unquote kid chef was fried rice. I never boiled the rice from the beginning. Just threw the hard rice in there, right in the pot, started cooking it. But yeah, that was that, that was me trying to be a chef as a kid. And that was my goal through life. Even when I started college, I wanted to be a chef. But everything kind of, you know, made a different turn as I progressed through. And the second question, as always, is what do you do now? What do I do now? So right now, I am a patient experience manager at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So long story short, that's just I'm the person that deals with any problems within the hospital that had to deal with the patient or guest's food. Because um, as we know, besides the medical aspect, the nutrition aspect of it is very important for patients in order to get them out of the hospital. So we can't have any mess ups on that. Right, right, right. As well then, as? As well as, exactly. As well as my second business, which is Jumpstart. as my high jump um, coaching business. Um, it's what I've been doing for, this would be about seven months, I believe, that it's been going officially. High jump coaching experience. Yes, um, yes, what got you originally interested in high jump? Um, was actually kind of funny because I never even knew what high jump was. Honestly, uh, I started track when I was a freshman in high school, and the very first day I was a sprinter. Um, I hated it. We had to do a mile before we even started the warm up, and then just running all day was not fun. I mean, I even came out there and sprinting spikes. I didn't know that you had to wear just regular shoes. I'm thinking this is track. So I'm out there and sprinting spikes the entire day. So I already hated track. So the next day, I was about to go quit. And the coach said, hey, just come give it one more try. It's specialty day. And they threw me in high jump. 
And ever since then, hygiene was my thing. Um, stopped playing basketball, stopped doing football, baseball, all that. It was just strictly track. That was my love right there from that day forward. Mind you, for context, I also ran track in high school with Devin, and um, yes, sir. I kind of want to say he might have been an influence on me because originally I started, and I was like, you know, I'm going to be with the sprinters, and I'm going to sprint. I played soccer. I was always one of the fastest kids on the team, so I'm going to be with the sprinters. But I got there, and I was like, you know what? We do start and do two laps and then do two more laps, and then it's just like that's a lot of running. Coming from a soccer player, that's a lot of running and all the workouts and lot. stuff. And I was like, mm, I might, I might want to come slide over here and just do the jumps. Look, that's why exactly why I came to the field side. Look, we run, but we don't run like that. Practice is always fun. Right, right, right. So, um, once you got into high jump, you almost like hit the ground running and took off with this success. Now, why do you, why do you think that was? Was it? Was it always um, in the sports that you played? Were you always a great jumper as far as your vertical and stuff like that? Like, did you have some sort of technique that um, just helped propel you to where you got to? Uh, yeah, so for some reason, I was really good at jumping. Uh, even in, in middle school, uh, I played basketball. I'm not really the best shooter. I'm not really good at dribbling. But one thing I could do is rebound. So any team I was on, I was probably the best center. I versed kids twice my size, and they couldn't, you know, it was not that easy for them to defend me because I could just jump so high. So I think it was just, you know, part of me being, being able to jump so high, but also the fact that I found a sport, well, I guess for this case, an event that I just truly loved that I found joy out of. I mean, like I said, I've did every sport. I've done soccer, baseball, football, um, well, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And none of them I really loved. It was like I played it. I went through the motions. It was fun. I made friends, got a couple of trophies. It was cool. But when it came to track and high jump, it was something I truly loved, like, Going to practice something I love. Like I never wanted to cut corners. It was always 100% or more, and it was never slacking. And I mean, that right there alone is kind of what took my, I guess, my, my determination drive and, you know, success to the next level was just to find something I truly love. Mm. Um, and you had crazy success with it. You even set the high school record, which was, what was the record? About 6'6"? Six, six? Six, no, so the high school record was 6'6 six, six at first. Now 6'10 because of me. Okay, so my man jumped six foot, <laughs> ten inches in the air over a bar. That's crazy. That is crazy to think. Um, and what was that like, you know, breaking the record that's been there? How long was the record there before you? Years. I, I couldn't even really tell you years. That's crazy. Probably a few decades, honestly. Well, not, yeah, probably a few decades, they said. My man's got his name on the school banner. Took you all the way to Penn State. What was that feeling like when you got – when? Did they reach out to you, or what was that situation like? So they reached out to me, but it was actually kind of funny because it was something unexpected. So first, this whole college recruiting experience thing, I, I don't regret it, but I do wish that I kind of knew more about it in an aspect that I didn't really get much of it. I mean, to me, I went to two colleges, and it was UMass, Lowell. No, I, I take the back. I went to three colleges. It was UPenn, UMass, Lowell, and then Penn State. Now, I didn't really know much about the recruiting process. I didn't know that you could do visits and, you know, you could stay overnight and you have five visits or whatever and you can talk to certain coaches, stuff like that. I had no clue about that. So to me, it's like, holy shoot, a coach is calling me, you know, we're not like, all right, this is awesome. So when it came to Penn State, this was after I had hit 610. So first, I'm going to tell you that story because that's actually like a good thing that kind of tells you exactly like who I am right now. So before I jumped 610, it was the week before. I was kind of like, you know, like starting to look out to colleges and 
He's like, you know, what I want to do is my senior, my junior year, I'm about to transfer to become a senior. Now I got to start looking around. So my first thing was Hawaii. Like to me, I want to go somewhere nice and warm, like a vacation school. Hawaii's awesome. I always, always want to go there. So I'm like, let me go to Hawaii. Um, so as I'm talking about it in practice, my my coach, I guess, overhears me and he makes a comment pretty much saying, you know, you're only jumping six six, six eight. You know, that's not a division one, you know, uh height right there. So you should really think, you know, D two, D three. Happy said that to me in my head, you know, at first it, it was more so like, you know, yeah, coach, you're right. Like, let's be reasonable. But then I, I'm sitting back and I'm thinking, he just limited me. I mean, mm. I'm not no D2, D3 type of athlete. I mean, my work ethic and what I do is Division One material. I mean, not to be cocky, but I mean, I put the sacrifice into what I do. I'm the type of person that skips prom and I skip field trips. I, I, I've skipped many events just to, you know, put the extra work in just to make sure I'm at that meet or I'm at that practice or I'm even like at the lifting session. So to me, what I do in my event, you know, I put my all into it, my blood, sweat, and tears. So to tell me I'm only D2, D3 material, because I haven't reached my potential yet at this moment, you know, kind of put me down for a moment, but then also was what, you know, motivated me to say, well, you know, you won't tell me what I can do. So that being said, the final, the final next week was state of champions. Now this is the first time I could become a state champion. First time I can bring home a title for the school as a high jumper and potentially, you know, PR, um, the kid I'm going up against, they already have him favored to win. I mean, he's a six ten jumper already. I'm a six eight jumper. So, I mean, obviously, you can do the math and think, okay, well, this kid's obviously going to win. So, mm-hmm. I'm coming in as a second seed. We, we, we progress through, me and both the kid make it through 6-8, and then 6-10 comes up. Both, me and him both miss our first two attempts. Now, it's third attempt. He misses his. Now, it's pretty much open gate. If I make this, not only am I a state champion, but now I'm also a record holder. I mean, this is like a, two, like a double win, pretty much. So, Devin's up. Look at the bar. Coach is in the corner clapping, you know trying to hype me up, which I learned, I, I love that. But at the end of the day, to, to, to have seen that at that exact moment was, you know, in my head, like, oh, wait, this guy just told me I wasn't going to make it this far because of this. But here's my obstacle right here. My opportunity is right in front of me. I took the opportunity, made the 610. Everybody went crazy. And from there, it just kind of was was just like a stepping stone of separate stone. So after that, I went to meet the champions, didn't do too good there. Following season came back. Now I know it's time to go. But like I said, back in the time with the whole process of college, I had no clue what really went well, like what went down with me. So now it's fall, and I guess it's to early recruits. I wasn't too sure about that. So at first, I'm kind of on the impression that, you know, you have as much time as you need to pick what college you want. They put their offers out, and then you guys talk, and then, you know, you discuss, you do your little, your little college selection at your high school or not. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I was a little bit different. So I'm sitting down playing Call of Duty one Wednesday night. It's about 7.30. So anybody calling me at 7.30 from an unknown number, I'm not really going to answer it. Mind you, I'm mid-game, so to me, you call me, like, well, come on, i got to answer it. So, I, so, he, so I'm really getting a phone call. So I answer, and I go, hello, hello? And it goes, hi, is this Devin Bradham? I'm like, yeah, yeah, who is this? Who is this? Hurry up. I'm in the game right now. So they go, hi, this is, uh, this is Coach So-and-so from Penn State. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Give me, give me one second. No, guys, I'll be right back. Right. Call, take, the head, take the headphones off, run to the other room. So now me, me and the coach are talking, and, you know, I'm thinking this coach is about to go through the process like I've seen on TV before, you know, ask my height, my weight, my uh, my work ethic, my, uh, I guess, my why, and all this stuff. No, not not at all. It was pretty much this. Hey, man, you know, I like the way you jump. Uh, what do you think about Penn State? 
like I told you before, I didn't know much about the recruitment process, but I also didn't know much about universities. So I didn't really know much about it besides the whole scam. Like, hey, you ever heard of Penn State? It was, yeah, you know, I kind of did. He goes, all right, well, perfect. What are you doing this weekend? I said, uh, nothing pretty much. He goes, all right, let your dad know we have you uh, coming down Friday to Sunday. I said, oh, all right, cool. Called my dad. I'm like, dad, we got to visit. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, dad, we had to go to uh, Penn State uh, in two days. He goes, all right, cool. So we go there, do the visit, love it all. You know, I stay over the night. I meet all some of the team and everything. The recruiting process was cool. I got free dinners, free meals, all this. I went to the football game. It was awesome. I went out, enjoyed the whole nightlife as a high school and college. It was crazy to see. So we go home. Monday comes and the coach texts and pretty much calls me and goes, hey, you know, this is the, this is the deal at hand. This is what we want to offer. And this is what, what we can do. So I'm all excited, like, yeah, it's my first college offer. All right, let me sit on it and, you know, think. Let me see what, what else I have. Nah. So you only have about five days uh, before we have to revoke the offer to find somebody else, unfortunately. Five days? So, about five days. So and I'm it just like, goes off the table after. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's a whole business. I mean, if I'm not going to sign, I can find somebody else better. But to me, I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Mind you, the season's still going. I, you know, We still don't know what, what I can really hit during the season. So – it was more so at the time, do I want to pass up an opportunity at Division One school? With for me at the moment, it, it kind of meant all my qualities. I mean, I had a great, uh, great schooling program. The biggest thing for me is I had an indoor track. I mean, I hate the cold, so I hear a lot of universities don't have that, so they practice outside or at rec centers. And for me, it's that was like the key thing. So a lot of my home meets were right at home, like literally at Penn State. So there was that, and then also, of course, the social aspect of it. I mean, Penn State, as everyone knows, is a good, is a good school. I mean, despite the partying and all that, it's still a good school to go to for social aspects of it. So it met all three of my criteria. So I was like, this is, this is like a no-brainer. But then I said, wait a minute. I want to go to, like, SEC. I want to go down south. What happens if they offer me? But then I said, you know what? Take what we got right here because, you know, you never know. I can get hurt. Something bad could happen. I said, and I just passed up this beautiful opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I thank God with Penn State, the big thing about that is, you know, the name itself speaks for itself. Which, truthfully, that's a true thing. I mean, you know, you can have a degree in anything you want as long as it has Penn State behind it. You most likely will be fine no matter where you go. And to me, that was like the selling point right there. So that's how I got there. And like I said, I wish I knew about the whole recruiting process because a lot of my teammates will be telling me all these visits they went to, all these schools they went to. I'm like, where'd you go? I'm like, I only went to UMass, Lowell, U Penn, Penn State. I mean, that's really it. Having no clue about all the other stuff that I could have done. But, I mean, regardless, I did enjoy the experience and just be able to go through the motions because, I mean, now with Jumpstart, you know, my whole my whole MO with that is just to get kids, you know, to get the knowledge they need and whatnot. But now that I'm able to use the stuff that I went through and I guess the, the not the challenges, but stuff that I regret not doing, I can make sure that they do now mm-hmm. to make sure that they experience the correct things and make sure that they're all, you know, choosing the correct colleges and looking for the correct things when they're going to college or even throughout high school. Word, word. Um, has it been like a thing between you and your coach? Have you ever joked about like, yeah, I almost hung up on you to play some Call of Duty? Actually, yeah, I told him that when I was my um first week of practice when we were all talking. I was like, Coach, you know what's kind of crazy? He goes, What? I said, I almost first off didn't even answer your phone call <laughs> when you called me. He goes, Why? I said, Because I was in the middle of zombies. He goes, What's that? I said, On Call of Duty. He was like, You know, he obviously asked what it wasn't or not. So then I was like, but I answered it for some reason. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I know. You caught me off guard the way you answered. I was like, I was in the middle of the game. I said, I wasn't going to answer it like I said, but I did. So it needed to be quick. What do you want? And let's go. But as soon as I heard you say Coach Kelly, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. 
I was like, oh, no. I said, this is an actual coach. Let me get off the game real quick. Um, now, one of the biggest sporting events that people pay attention to um, annually is the Penn Relays. Now, you being at Penn State um, and going to this competition, this track competition, what was that like? Like, what was the atmosphere like? What was competing there like? So, for Penn Relays, when I was going there for Penn State, was, I think it was three different times I went. But in order to get the whole aspect of, like, you know, like, why it was, I guess, to at least to me, so sentimental and, like, such a big deal to me, you have to take it back to high school. So, in high school... In order to get the pen relays for the high school part of it, you have to qualify. You now we're talking all of New Jersey, both south and north, and if you consider central a thing, then that's central. <laughs> but to make it is, you know, it's kind of a big deal. So for three years straight, I'd never made pen relays. So to me, it was just like, but am I going to make it? But am I going to make it? But am I going to make it? And finally, like I said, when I hit that six ten my junior year, I finally qualified for that. So to me, that was a huge deal. Like, to me, I'm about to take this as the best opportunity. I'm going to go in, I'm going to win it, all that stuff. I even had the local newspapers come out and everything, do a whole write-up on me about jumping seven feet at Penn Relay, letting that be like the opening day. Well, I mean, in life, things don't work out the way you want it. And that's just the way it is. And you have to be able to bounce back from that. So with all that hype and all that, you know, like exposure, Behind that me, I ended up only jumping about six six, which wasn't even close to what people expected me to jump. I mean, obviously pressure came in and me adapting something new, and I guess just being in the limelight got to me as a high schooler. But like I said, always learn from, from your lessons because it's never an L. It's always just something that you learn from, learn from, and a curve around it. So in college, when I went there the first year, I got I made it to the pen relays. It was what they call. Well, I guess we'll just make it easier. It's what you would consider the lower level of high jumpers. So they have a higher level, a higher level, and a lower level. So the lower level don't jumps on Friday, the higher goes on Saturday. So I want to go to the higher level. I'm not trying to be in the lower level. So the first year I make lower level and I'm seated to be, you know, like just midway through. Mm-hmm. Now, take that back. I've been a Premier League three times in my, my college career, not, not two. So this is this is the first time. So the first time I go there, I'm all excited. I'm in college. I'm following parent relays. I'm seated to be like whatever. It's like in the mid, nothing crazy. So I ended up doing worse than what I expected. I ended up jumping about six four, which was opening height. Uh, coach is very mad. I'm very mad. This is a big moment for me. Like you know, first time in parent relays as a college student coming from high school, I'm representing South Jersey. Like to come out and do that, that was you know like dang dev. Like what are you doing right now? Like is this really for you? So fast forward to my junior year. And Pemulus comes around again, and now I'm still in the emerging elite section, or the second, like the second tier section. And I'm a little upset because now I'm progressing like a lot better. I'm jumping six eleven, close to seven feet. And you know, I thought I was going to make that, make that next level, but I didn't. So I took this meet with a different approach. I mean, to me, this is my second time around. I got to prove something. Last time I came here, I did pretty bad. You know, made a bad name for myself. I was a vid rather than a name. So when I came out there, I had a whole, you know, a whole different demeanor. It was more so we're just going to knock off whoever's on the top. So this where I'm, I'm seated about fifth, sixth, or seventh. First kid seeds way higher than me, you know, no big deal. So as we're going through the meet, you know, I'm doing some pretty solid jumps. I'm looking consistent, and I ended up getting second place from a jump off. So I mean, that that that, that just showed that I just had to take it a different approach and kind of you know look at it from a different aspect and you know. Just find how I'm going to really attack this. So, third time coming to Penn Relays, this is when I really, you know, like honed in, started grinding. I mean, I'm talking 
up days before practice is practice. So when I had morning lifts, I'd be up before that running, doing, doing quick exercises just to kind of get better. I mean, any small thing I can do, I want it to be better. Like I don't, I don't care when it came to track and it came to me being in college, I'd do what I have to do. I'd stay late. I'd come early. I'd do an extra rep. I'd sit behind and do jump ropes for like about 30 minutes straight just to kind of build my calves. Because to me, I won't get as much power as I can. So I'll do what I have to do. Mm. So once I realized that I finally made the top tier jumping event for a Saturday, this was, this was like, to me, my, my shot of the century. Like I'm about to officially prove like, you know, this is like, this is what I've been made for. So coming in there's a kid above me i'm seated third not even second third no big deal i'm not really big on that but to me this is beautiful because now i'm considered the underdog and you know me i love to try to prove people wrong so when i go out there i got a chip on my shoulder you know i'm trying to make sure i'm doing everything right i'm feeling good feeling nice all i really cared about the one thing about penmulas which i really love is that you're encircled in stadium so you have people looking right at you, just yelling, all the atmosphere. That's what really drives you. When it comes to me, I'm all about hype. So when I jump, I like to get hype. I like that people clap, people yelling for me, all that stuff. So I'm jumping into the crowd. And as we're going through the meet, you know, I'm jumping well, looking nice. And now I'm starting to get the crowd involved and get the clap going. And people are just going wild, like just, just yelling. So much noise, claps going, it's all in sync. It's just perfect. Uh, I ended up jumping seven and a half, I believe, which at the time would have been um, pretty much a PR for me. So, you know, over time, as you can see, just progressing and learning from my, you know, from, I guess, my mistakes to come out on my last time ever being in Penn Relays and, you know, ended up getting second place because of another, again, a jump off, you know, said kind of a lot. I mean, I didn't make it to where I wanted to be and I, you know, did pretty bad. And then the following year, got in the same place, made it better. And then the following year, was able to progress to where I really wanted to be and took the opportunity and honed in and, you know, seized the moment at that, at that point. So, I mean, Penn Relays for me was just probably the biggest pinnacle moment in, in my college and high school career, you know, both bad and good. You know, just to me, that was actually one of my questions I asked in my, in my uh, I guess, my, my uh, visit was, do we go to Penn Relays? I want to compete there. And as you, I mean, and as you can see, I wanted to compete there, regardless if it was bad or good. But like I said, it went from bad to excellent. And I mean, I left my, I left my quote unquote spikes on the field after right. that day. <laughs> and it's um, it's crazy to, to hear that and to understand that because like, going to Williamstown, we both went to the same school, um, and Devin competing in the different high jumps at the different um, meets that we had it was like we'd go there and be like all right we got this down pack we know we're gonna get x amount of points Devin's gonna take first in the high jump it was like that pretty much every single meet so it's like on one side of the things you see everybody's rooting and cheering and we see you in a certain way but then on the other side of things it's like you yourself sometimes like you said you have a chip on your shoulder or you still feel like you have to prove something um in different places so it's kind of interesting to see um, you never know where somebody's head's at and like where they're, how they're going into things. And the thing is with that right there, because that, that, that's such a good point, is never think that you just, you know, that you're just quote unquote the shit. Because like, like you just said, you know, in high school people used to always just have me favorite to win. So you know, Devin's going to get this many points and he'll place this place. Listen, when I went into college, my first two years it was nothing like that. I mean, I went in with a chip muscle. I thought I was going to be the best. I hit six ten. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going into college. I'm only going to go up. There's no way I can degress. 
well, you know what? That happened. I had a teammate that was jumping way better than me, but this is a kid who didn't put any effort into what he did. So to see, you know, to see someone who put zero effort in and then to have me going 130% every single day of the week to better myself, you know, it really gets to you. It really kind of makes you think like, you know, is it true that hard work does beat talent or is that just kind of a myth? Because, you know, you have talent over here still, you know, outworking me when it comes to the jumping aspect of it. But when it comes to putting the work work in, he's not. So, I mean, it was a struggle to kind of, you know, like like you said, go from being, quote, unquote, like the, the star of the team to now just a person on the team. And I, and I was just a jumper. I wasn't really anybody that, that they could rely on. So at meets, it was more so, you know, just try to get over the bar. Let's see if we can get better. But when you have a kid that's next to you, you know, hitting seven one when you when you know me, I'm expecting to hit seven feet my first man up the city yard. You know, it really makes you kind of go back to your why. I mean, there was times when I was in college and and I was ready to quit because I mean that was, it wasn't because of him. It was more so because I was just losing love of the sport. You know, to just go through the motions and and it's, it's a lot of background behind like college sports, which is also another reason. Like I did, like I have my business is to teach kids, you know, how to deal with politics within within the track world or just sports world in general because when it comes to college just like it is in high school it's a lot of politics of who of who does what who gets treated like what so to experience that firsthand in college at a university expecting that never to happen you know really plays with your mind and as i got to i said man if it wasn't for my parents and my scholarship i wouldn't be doing being in college and just going through politics and like just the way that they maneuver i'm not finding love for this i mean it's not it's not like I go out there and jump for the love of it. I'm going out there to jump because I got to make my coach happy and, you know, hit a certain standard so that we can put points in place. So it didn't become, it didn't become love. It just became like a job that I didn't enjoy. I hated waking up in the morning. I hated going to practice, hated doing all that. But it was, I guess, the junior year where I went, I flew to Clemson and I had jumped six, six there to, the prior year my sophomore year I did the same thing my junior year mind you I was having a pretty shitty season just don't really know why a pretty bad season so after the meet my coach sits me down he's yelling at all of us and he says and this is what I'm already kind of done with track like this isn't a fun for me you guys are kind of ruining it he says to me and this is what changes everything in my whole aspect on just track and you know why I do what I do why jumpstart even started in the first place um he says you know, does his whole spiel on how we did bad and whatnot. And he looks over at me and goes, I had to fight to even get you on this on this trip. And for those of you that, that don't know, when you, with the politics and when it comes to track and field, even in general football, baseball, anything, you have to earn your seat to travel. So to hear a coach tell me he had to fight to get me a spot on this trip just to come compete, you know, was just, that just spoke to me in a way. It was like, well, I don't want to be on this team if you got to fight for me to be here. I mean, if, if, if you don't have faith in me, I don't want to be here. I mean, I was just done at that point. Like, it was just, I was clocked out. I'm talking first day of practice. I didn't care what we did. I just, I half-assed everything, was walking through the motions. And then as as, as time goes on, about a week or so, we, not, uh, five days later, not a week, we have a meet. And it's what we call a tune-up meet before a bigger meet. So I don't care right now. I'm just done. I'm going to go through the motions and whatnot. But then I was laying down the day before the meet, and I said, you know, man, let's just change the mindset around me. Who am I to let this guy get me down to the point where I'm officially ready to quit my sport? You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't miss senior trip. I didn't go days in and days out of your straight practice. And I didn't go days in high school trying different diets to make sure my body could be this way or that way. 
I didn't do three a day practices by myself or nothing. I didn't do all this hard work, you know, learn the sport by myself day in and out, practicing it day in and out, rain, hot days, cold days out there, all that. I didn't do all that just so that some guy can tell me that he had to fight for me to make this trip, which will ultimately make me not love this sport anymore. So I went and stopped and I said, you know what? Let me give him my all. Let me give him my absolute all now and see what just what whatever happens. If if I end up like falling short, at least I'm not giving him my all. That exact meat with that mindset, just I don't know what it was, but something just clicked in my head to where I was just I went from I went from here to just here when it came to just my work ethic. And that meat, mind you, I didn't have no like real practice. I didn't do my my like regular routines. I'm a very superstitious person. So I do certain stuff before like my my meats. I'll take a shower at certain times, I eat certain foods. Didn't do any of that. In fact, I actually had cookies before that meat. So it was like I didn't I really didn't care. I ate some of the side of cookies. I was just chilling in bed. But I was just focused to say, all right, I'm going to go give my all. I'm going to go through this meet. I'm going to try to do good. And then the following week, I'm going to give my all. That exact meet, I went out there, and I ended up PRing two times from a 6'8 jumper in college to a 6'11 and a half. So I hit 6'10 and a half, and I hit 6'11 and a half, right followed by. So right then and there, I said, yo, this is, is, is a sign that's, that's telling sign. me. Exactly. I said, this is a sign that's telling me. It's not open for me. This dude isn't isn't determined in my future. So if I put the work in, I know it's right there. Like I'm finally at the point that's saying, like, yo, all the hard work you've been doing for these last six, six or over five years, like it's this is this is where it got you. Like this is now the time to start really taking to the next level. And man, I tell you, ever since then, everything about me has changed. I mean, my my for people who don't track, my approach changed, my whole technique changed, everything. To the point where I was even coaching my own teammates because I just knew kind of how to portray the information that needed to be portrayed in a certain way. So that kind of goes back to another part of why I've kind of lost the love for my sport is when it came to learning it, high jumps are very simple, but yet very hard event to learn. From the naked eye, it just looks like you run up on a J curve and you jump over a bar. But when you break it down, there's a whole bunch to it. So, you know, portraying that information is very vital in the way you do it. And unfortunately, with my coach in college, he was more so of a one-way his way. He didn't really necessarily know the best way to portray the information to that person at hand to grasp it in their own way. So when my whole demeanor changed, I started kind of going back to my high school ways of teaching myself, but using his information to help me. So I was able to take what he taught me and turn it into the way that I understand to put it in play so that my body can literally do it. So I'm talking, when I changed, everything changed. So when I'm saying my approach changed, my curve stuff, everything high jump-wise, all that changed for the better, that's when stuff started to be different to the point where I was teaching my teammates. At one point, my one teammate was like a 6'8 jumper. At one of the practices, I kid you not, I had him be 6'11", like it was nothing, just from a few different pointers and just telling him certain things a different way. So I was just like, wow. But it just goes to show, you know, like, like I said, politics and stuff, experiencing that, it made me lose my love for the sport. But then kind of just having people, you know, tell you you can't do things and, you know, just sticking true to yourself is what got me back into the love and then kind of changed my whole mindset. That just changed around my entire, I guess, my track career and set me up for what I am doing now. Mm-hmm. I mean, without without that and without my coach saying that to me, I truthfully don't think I would have kept doing track or been as successful as successful as I was if that never happened yeah that put you that put you on the journey to jumpstart coaching 
Um, and that's the next thing we're going to get into. We're going to take a quick break really quick, but we'll be right back at it with Devin, the superstar of Jumpstart Coaching. All right, and we are back. This is part two of the episode. Um, and the next thing I wanted to ask you was once you got into um, Jumpstart, how did all of that come together? Like once you decided, you know what, I want to continue with the sport, I want to coach, I want to help other people find the way, where was your starting off point? Where was your jumping off point? Um, well, honestly, my jumping off point, like, like I said, was that day what my coach had said to me, but you know, like that was my, like, that was the very first spark of jumpstart in general. But I, I actually coached, um, bef- kind of like before that, just like two, two younger kids. I would just coach just on the side whenever I came home and just help them out. That really kind of showed me that I can actually do this. Like, you know, coach kids in a positive way to really get them to understand and progress. So it was, let's say, I want to believe November is when I really, really sat down and really started honing in on making a business plan, coming up with, an, with a whole MO, an objective, a reason, and why, and then a whole brand name and exactly what I wanted to get out of this. Um, it was about November when all that started. And then, of course, COVID kind of hit when I was ready to really put things out. But I mean, I kind of just said, listen, this is what I want to do. I can find a way around this, even with COVID. So let's just see what happens. And Jumpstart pretty much fully started around, I want to say, this could be wrong now, but around January, maybe early February. Got you earlier in the year. Um, Now, as far as the services you provide, um, is it mostly one-on-one coaching with um, your clients? So right now, at this exact moment, yeah, it's more so one-on-one coach, and I'll have sessions of maybe two people or more, just depending on if I see it and how to fit. Um, I'm in the process of – well, I'm not even really in the process. I mean, I, I'm I'm ready to roll out my online coaching aspect of it. I mean, I'm, I'm fully prepared to start doing online video analysis and getting kids from all over that know the proper coaching, but I'm just not – mentally ready to start doing that just yet like I kind of want to just still go through the motions of my regular job you know still get some things done there still keep doing my one-on-one sessions now and I guess once it starts getting a little bit colder out I can do my online and just kind of see how I go but I even did a couple of trials I gave out some free sessions on online and I mean I'll, I'll be able to handle it it's just I'm not really focused on that just this moment so I kind of just been holding it off a little bit mm-hmm um, are you looking to have Jumpstart strictly for competitive coaching? Or are you also looking to coach people just who want to have some fun with it and just learn? And uh, I want Jumpstart to be for anybody who's looking to learn high jump. Rather, it's just to learn it for the heck of it, or you're learning to make this something that you can do to get you to college or even get you to, to the Olympics or even just get you a degree or just out the streets or just out of trouble. I mean, I don't care. Whatever your reasoning is to just want a high job, I want to be the person you come to and, you know, ask for help because I'm the person that will give you the help you need despite your level of knowledge on the event. I mean, my only focus with Jumpstart is to give anybody who comes through my, you know, to my sessions the proper knowledge and technique to just do it and be able to progress within it, to give anybody the stuff that I never had when it came to high jump to get any any high school kid 
who thinks they can't make it to the next level because they're not getting the proper technique and training from their high school coach. I want to be the person that's, that you know, changes that whole mindset. I want to be the person that gives them what they need to show them that they can make it to college and, you know, have fun and do this sport and get something out of it mm-hmm. rather than just making it something you did for four years, two years, three years, one year in high school and then let it be something, a thing of the past because track and field is a dying sport. And I want to make sure that we're able to get this sport back up because in reality, no one realizes this. If you do track and you do a different sport, the chances of you getting to college double. Unless you, if you're just doing a football, if you're just doing football, if you're just doing basketball, if you're just doing baseball, your chances are limited mm-hmm. to become a D1, D2, D3, you know, athlete. But if you add track behind it, it takes you to the next level. It shows your 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 versatility. It shows that you are able to do two sports first off. You're able to time manage. You're able to do, like I said, two sports, which is a huge thing. But not only that, it shows that you have the fundamentals of this track in general. So they know that you have a good work ethic. The people don't really get that. And that's my whole thing is I want to get kids to stick with high jump because like I said, with not the proper coaching, what's such a good and valuable sport can literally become just a sport. I mean, just something you do for social aspects and then you just don't do anything no farther than that. When in reality, a lot of these kids that are in high school and, and never go to the next level, we're talking kids who could be division one athletes just never actually put, you know, tap into their potential because there was no one there right. to show them. And that's really all that is. Yeah, just, I mean that literally happened to me. Just to have someone in your corner there that's supporting you like that, and um, I kind of yeah. wanted to add on what you said um, as far as doing multiple sports like that. When you're doing track along with another team sport that you have, one of the biggest things is discipline. Is that's something that shows the coaches that you have discipline because when it comes to your team sports, like you say, your basketball, um, football, all of that it's a team effort and everybody's working towards it. And it's also the same when it comes to track, but when you have your own events and you have to push yourself, that shows your own discipline that you go as far as you want to push yourself and you really want it. So um, that's, that makes a world of difference having that. I'm, I'm telling you, it does, man. People don't get it. Like, like you just said with track, it's on you. I mean, it's, it's it's a team event to an extent, but it's literally on you. Like, if you don't train, if you don't put your work ethic in, it shows. I mean, yeah, they have relays and whatnot, but, I mean, it's an individualized sport. So, for me, if I don't put the work in and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not you know, putting 100% forth, I'm not hurting nobody besides myself. Like, there's no team I'm hurting. I'm hurting myself and myself only. So, I mean, the biggest – the biggest, I guess, sacrifice you make when you, when you don't work 100% in track and field is you're literally killing your opportunity. You're killing your potential. I mean, every day you don't do something you should be doing, you're setting yourself back. I don't know how many days, but that's your potential. That's your opportunity. That's your future that you're just hindering because mm-hmm. you want to be lazy. You don't want to put forth the, the effort. That just kind of goes into place also when people you know, are skeptical about trusting other people or paying for services to get themselves better. I mean, someone's not offering a service to make you average they're offering a service to make you great i mean seek help and you will get it but only if you want it i mean everybody says they want the extra help but they don't actually go out and get it and then when they don't see the results they get mad as to why they weren't seeing the results mm-hmm. and I, you know that, that's just one of the biggest things now with your coaching and um how you're doing everything and you're seeing things from the different side of it 
what's one of the biggest misconceptions or what's one of the first things when you start coaching someone that you have to correct them on? Like, what's one of the big things? They're like, high jump is nothing like that. No, get that out of your head real quick. Uh, the biggest thing is, at least for high jump, the biggest thing would have to be the fact that you don't have to throw your body into the bar to get over the bar. So when high jump, obviously the point of it is to get over the bar. So most people think, let me run and jump into the bar to get over the bar. So to teach my athletes, this is the biggest thing that every single person that I've seen so far struggles with, is when you jump, you want to be able to be slanted away from the bar. So if the bar is right here, you want to slant away so that when you do all that force and jump over the bar, your body is able to transfer up and then over. A lot of my athletes just want to go from up right into it. And that is the biggest challenge I face is trying to teach my all my kids is stay away from the bar. Stay away from the bar. Stay away from the bar. Be patient. And which is funny because that is the biggest challenge I faced in college was, like I said, staying away from the bar, staying away, and being patient. It's funny how that comes full circle. That's the issue you had and then once you corrected that now you know to teach everybody else that's you can't do that yeah can't do it nope um now you said you launched earlier this year in january um Mm -hmm. and i'm sure it's been tough to kind of adjust to everything what are some of the new precautions that you've had to basically implement into your brand new business and what are some of the things that you are looking out for for the future with uh covid and track so some precautions pretty much just kind of keeping my sessions limited i mean i could have kind of went out and approached and said i want to do group sessions where it's more than one jumper but with obviously with covid and trying to be safe and whatnot i made it to one person so all my sessions there's no need for me for me to be close to you i mean i can coach from afar so that's kind of what i tried to do um but thankfully a lot of my sessions were always well all my sessions were outside so i was able to stay six feet away you know outside not closed areas um, so some precautions that I have to keep in place is just more so just making sure all my patients, no, I'm, I keep saying patients. I'm thinking I'm, I'm in a hospital right now for my other job, but all my clients are, you know, just making sure that that's all safe, um, doing the necessary steps, um, you know, keeping sanitized and everything. But hopefully when this is over, I'll be able to kind of expand, you know, a lot more, open bigger sessions, allow more kids to come, hold group sessions, hold group training sessions, group conditioning sessions, stuff like that. Um, with things how they are in the meantime, like you said, um, you're starting to branch out into video sessions and all that. Um, are you just the one man band behind that? Are you looking to add some assistant coaches to help you out, um, with expanding that and tackling COVID? No, uh, so with Jumpstart, I'm kind of a one man band. I'm gonna have a couple of friends that'll help me, but it's more so just me. I mean, I want to be the face behind Jumpstart, so I don't really think I ever want to get into having you know, other coaches, um, stuff like that, unless it's really needed. I mean, I am trying to take this jump start to the next level and not just be high jump. I want to kind of, you know, hit on all three areas in the jumping events on track and field. So eventually that'll kind of be that, but I will still be the coach for that just because the whole point, like I said, jump start is to get the information out properly to that individual at hand. So I know the challenges of trying to trying to receive information in a way that can work for me. So I can't really put my trust into somebody else to do the things that I want the way I want it to be done, unless it's from me. You know, the old saying, do it yourself if you want it to be done the correct way. 
Um, so I'm that type of person. So I would also myself having any coaches in the future. I mean, if Jumpstart gets as big as I expect it to get, then maybe I'll consider it. But right now, no. Well, man, man. Um, <laughs> with that, are you looking to also get into um, coaching in schools or do you want to strictly be a private um, service? No, I mean, I'm, I, I want to get in schools too, man. So I, I actually was able to get a job right before COVID hit at Union Catholic in North Jersey as a high jump coach. Um, like I said, man, I just want to be able to reach all kids in all aspects just to just to get them the knowledge that, that they need, whether it be a mental aspect of high jump or just some quick tips on what to do. I want to be able to just be that person they can go to. So uh, right now I'm doing high school once stuff gets back into play on top of jump start. But my 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 long term is be able to do jump start full time and also have a coaching job, whether that be college or high school level. Um, I even also want to have my own team of high jumpers for that. So with that, I want to I mean, obviously this is in the future, but the whole point of that is I want to be able to, you know, hand select certain athletes in certain areas of, of Jersey that just do high jump or triple jump or long jump. when I get to that point and have them on my team and, you know, really focus down to really get them the proper stuff that they, that they really, really need to become the best jumper that, that, that they can be. Cause I mean, um, everybody I have, you know, has a work ethic, but not everyone really is driven for what they do. I mean, a lot of the kids I have, some of them go through the motions and say that, that they love the sport, but really don't. They just kind of do it because it's something to do. But then I have those set individuals that really do it for the reasons that I did it. So it's those athletes that I want to kind of take and just put under my wing and say, listen, follow me and let me get you to where I know you can go, but just trust me. So that's kind of like my long-term, uh, long-term look on that. Um, and lastly, I wanted to ask you now you started this interview with a story about your first love, um, with cooking. And I also see you're pretty, <laughs> you're also active on Instagram. You have another jumpstart cooking page. Um, is this, a whole lifestyle brand that you're trying to launch, jumpstart being a whole lifestyle, whether it be the food that you put into your body, um, how you use your body and uh, exercise. And st are we seeing the the beginnings of a major company in jumpstart? Yeah. No, you de no, you definitely are. That's just what jumpstart is. It's literally what it says. Jumpstart. I mean, we jumpstart things. I mean, you come to me. We're going to jumpstart your whole mindset and whole look on, on high jump. I mean, it's, it's, it's a new beginning. It's, it's a, it's a new approach. It's a new mindset. It's a new outlook. So yeah, I want to branch out to a lot of things. I mean, I, I, I want to be able to offer meal, meal prep services for my athletes. I want to be able to, to, you know, you know, if you're a kid at home who doesn't know how to cook, but also wants to kind of be healthy, but doesn't know where to start. I want to be able to offer you some meal prep kits. You know, I want to be able to offer you the proper stuff that you need to fuel your body stuff that I had to learn as I, as I was going through. I mean, I want to be able to offer sessions where you can come to me and just talk about like your mental state when it comes to, to like, you know, track and field. I mean, the one thing with high jump and I'll say this all day long is high jump is 20% physical, 80% mental. I mean, it, it's, it, it's a head game. It may sound dumb, but when you have the only thing in front of you, that's your challenge is a bar. It plays with your head a lot. So I'll have a lot of kids who, what I call them are head cases because I was a head case also. Head case also. What that just means that you get in your head a lot when you're jumping, which messes you up. So I want to be able to with, with jump start. You know, have kids come to us 
to, you know, talk with us, you know, talk me through your, your whole thought process before a meet, after a meet, during the meet, when you're jumping, so we can identify certain things that we can get rid of to kind of give you a better positive outlook. Because like I said, I wanted to give you what I didn't have when I was going through this sport. If I had somebody to, to kind of mentor me, to tell me exactly what to think, how to think, how to approach my day before meets and stuff like that, to set me up to succeed, I would have been a different person. I would have been a different, different beast in college. But I didn't have that. I learned that on my own. I learned that going through the ropes. So, like I said, jumpstart. I'm that person that can give you that, that wants to see you progress, that wants to see you beat those challenges that you have ahead of you. I want to see you hit your goals. I want to see you go to college. I want to see you, you know, get out of your head. I want to see all that stuff. So that's kind of my whole thought process behind it is just to be there. I want to everything, apparel, food, coaching, teams, clubs. You know, I want to do all that. That's, world that's, domination. Take over the world. Take over the world, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard from uh, the one-man band, Devin Bradham of Jumpstart Coaching. Is there anything else you'd like to let the people know, uh, where they can find you, how they can get some coaching tips and all that? You can find me on Instagram at Jumpstart Coaching. Um, on there, you'll see everything I do. You'll see all my videos. I make a lot of cool videos. You can contact me on there. You can just talk to me. You know, ask me what you want. Um, give me a follow, give me some likes, and I hope to hear from you guys soon. All right, bet. This has been another episode of the 2BD Podcast. I want to thank you for coming to the studio and uh, more in store. I want to thank you for having me, man. This was a blast to be on. I appreciate you. All I right. love what you're doing, too. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that means a lot from a superstar like yourself. Oh, my. Man, you're the superstar, too. Come on, now. All right. Peace out. See ya.